0: I hope you're all enjoying reading and listening. I'm having another less than stressful day. Uh, Things are still happening in the world of my Facebook feed. People are still uh, bickering back and forth, but at least I'm starting to see a little bit of unity. A little bit of uh, lights are starting to crack through, uh, through the closed doors. I'm starting to see some people returning to work here and there. I'm seeing people being a little more conscious of the the importance of wearing a mask and, uh, and washing their hands, and I'm starting to see people get on flights to go back to work. I'm starting to feel optimistic again. I'm starting to feel like we're only a, a short amount of time away from being back to some semblance of normalcy, and so I'm just keep up positive conversations And so one of my favorite people to follow online is my guest today. I've always appreciated seeing her comments and where she's going and what's happening. And when I think of optimists, uh, people who have really persevered to get to where they're at, uh, this is one of the first people I always think about. Uh, Her name is Kate Blair. She is a lighting director out of Los Angeles with NBC News, as well as MSNBC News. Thank you so much for joining with me today, Kate. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: You and I first met in Virginia, and you were so kind to me. You were the first one to come out to front of the house, and you're like, hey, are you, are you Chris Lowe from, from the article? I'm like, yeah, that's me. Thank you for noticing. And then you let me know that you were Kate Blair from Facebook and uh, stagehand humor. And I'm like, you're Kate Blair. And we had this mutual conversation. Where we're like, Oh my God, I've known about you and you've known about me. And it felt like the world was just a little bit smaller. And I, and I still cherish that moment today.
1: Oh, uh, stagehand humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another story, but.
0: <laughs> uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, I've seen your posts on stagehand humor for so many years. And I'm like, oh my God, this chick is freaking hilarious. And we have so many things in common. And then for you to walk up to out at me in front of the house and be like, that little meme that you've seen on, on, uh, on your computer screen a, a thousand times. That's me. And I'm like, there is a real person behind that. And you're, you're, you're her. And that was oh, sucks. That was, it was wonderful.
1: I appreciate it. I mean, and, it, and that was a fun, fun gig. You were, it was Charlottesville actually, uh, Virginia. And you were yep. out with, uh, Stevie Nicks and yep. the pretenders. Yep. Unfortunately, I believe Chrissy Hine had a cold that day. So it was just Stevie Nicks, but And she put on a two hour set and that was impressive. So
0: yeah. So most people would have just waited a little bit longer and then done the normal set, but not Stevie. She's like, Oh, my opener canceled. Well, I'm just going to do a few more songs and I'm going to talk the amount of time that Chrissy would have taken up with like three songs. I think, I think we broke a record that night. I think Stevie talked for about 50 minutes of the two hour show.
1: I mean, but I mean, that was just impressive. So she, and she's a champ.
0: Her fans still eat it up. They love every second of her, everything she has to say, they just, they just eat it up.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm curious to see how she responds to the sudden uh, TikTok thing going on with Cowboys and Dreams I, I'm not sure what to make of all of that. So,
0: oh, you're so much more up to date with that. So, the last thing I saw was her drinking some cranberry juice and putting on her roller skates.
1: That, that was an ad. No, this is a thing. I, I am not on TikTok, but this is something that has spilled over into Facebook and Twitter, where it is usually a group of three, usually cowboys. I've often noticed gay cowboys uh, just doing pelvic thrusts to Fleetwood max Oh, screens. that's
0: right, that's right.
1: <laughs> and, and and this is the goofiest thing I've ever seen.
0: Yes, I saw the one where it's uh, it's three uh, three black guys doing the the thrusts, and then it's three cowboys doing the thrusts. <laughs> And it, yeah, I've seen that one. No, the one that I'm talking about is the uh, the guy on the skateboard with his, uh, his uh, feather tattoo. Yes, and, and then I believe, and I believe that one brought dreams back into the charts.
1: I may have done that. Yeah, I may that may have, may have spawned the TikTok thing. So who knows?
0: Uh, in fact, I believe she started her TikTok just to respond to the viral sensation of that one.
1: Okay. Right. With the with the skating. That, that's right. see, that's that's the one I, I never saw. I, I, okay. I, I'm I'm not on TikTok. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just I'm part of the Stevie Nicks uh group pages and I get all those little things where they you know, they come out and Stevie's not a, a an online savvy girl but man when she when she comes on it makes it that much of a bigger deal.
1: She's dedicated to her fans and that's, that's, that's a thing.
0: Yeah. Cool. So let's get into this. You are, we, we met in Virginia, which is where you are from. I'm um,
1: for the most part. Yes. I, I grew up most, uh, I just before I graduated high school, I had lived in five different States, but um, mostly from Virginia, Richmond, DC area, That's where I would call home. My family lives in the western part of the state at the southern end of the Shenandoah Valley. And I go there as much as I can. But it's not a it's I would say it's a rather toxic environment for me. So I just had to had to leave. So I'm in Los Angeles now.
0: Oh, good for you. Good for you. There's no there's no shame in leaving a toxic environment.
1: Yeah, it was, I I don't want to get too political, but I'm, I'm transgender. After that ugliness in Charlottesville happened, uh, the, just the, the, the local very fine people felt more emboldened to, to antagonize me. So uh, I just, I just left. I mean, I, you know, I had no plan. I was looking around i was trying to find work in in the in the mid-atlantic area and i i graduated college just in 2016 at the age of 48 was looking for work and was finding nothing but intolerance so i just had to leave I, i threw everything i could into my my subaru my two cats computers some clothes and drove west and uh, on with no plan whatsoever made a pit stop uh in vegas toward unlv's uh theater department for a bit thinking maybe grad school who knows we'll have to see what happens and then moved on to la and <laughs> believe it or not i mean it is it is so cliche i am a i'm a human cliche because I came out, I, I, I just drove out to LA with no plan and lightning struck. So who would have thought?
0: Kate, that is a lot to unpack. Let's, let's back up a little bit. (laughs) Oh boy. This is going to be a long, this is going to be, there's so many things to cover there. Oh, So you were in Virginia. How did you get into the industry in the first place then? Okay. Well, it doesn't sound like your parents were very supportive of the idea of you being a theater person.
1: Well, I would say they generally were not excited at first. Okay. Um, I I was growing up thinking I was going to be an aerospace engineer. My my dad was a an engineer. I was just kind of in that mood. My sister was very big in the theater and I kind of had an itch for it and I, I liked I liked theater but I just didn't think much of it as a career will do and and I I uh my last two years of high school just out of circumstance I had a lot of free time and I spent a lot half of it in the theater and half of it in the computer lab um, and You know, my interest still grew, but I thought I was gonna be an engineer somehow. Uh, I graduated high school in 1987. A few months later, I saw Pink Floyd's "Momentary Lapse of Reason" tour, and my 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 pat my passing interest in lighting. I had never thought of lights being used like that. And my world just changed and said, nope, that's what I'm doing for a living. I, it wasn't that. It wasn't that moment, to be honest. It wasn't until a year later when they came back through. They were hitting stadiums, um, and they were at RFK Stadium. One of their movers, I believe it was a field two, around the center screen, was uh, the color area was stuck on red. And it it was a splinter of my mind for the entire show, and it's unacceptable. <laughs> so uh, I, that's when, That's one. But that's why I want to do it for a living. So
0: <laughs> that stuck red gobo brought you into the industry.
1: Yes, caught the color right. It was the color right. So it's like a, it's a it's us and them. You have these wonderful blues and lavenders, all everything, and red right in the middle of the awful. <laughs>
0: You're like, that can never happen again. And I have to be in charge of making sure that that never happens again.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Sometimes I will, I will be in a front of the house and a, a fixture will break and I'll be like, well, I sure hope nobody notices that except me, but there, there you are. You're the one that you just let me know that, uh, Nope, there's somebody in the audience who notices those things.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, well, that it's, I had that eye. So, Half, half the times you can have the rig explode and you'll have people coming up to you go, that was amazing, dude. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> and then there's the Cates out there just sitting there going, God, you're ruining my show because of that red gobo or that red color. <laughs> <laughs> you're ruining it. So what was your first job in the industry then?
1: Uh, my first job in the industry, let me see. Shortly after that, a friend of mine from high school got me a job at a local arena. Um, okay, and doing changeover. Uh, shortly after that, my very first job, I uh, it was interesting, it was the day that Roy Orbison died, but it was a Robert Plant gig outside of DC. Um, yeah, that was my first time, you know, pulling cables. Nice. Instead of, instead of flipping chairs. Uh, kind of, that bug kind of stuck. And I tried going to college. It didn't quite work the first time. So I dropped out. Uh, got a job at a local nightclub in Richmond. And Marshall Tucker was my first time behind a console.
0: Nice. So, cool. You have you've had a very good soundtrack to your uh, your career so far.
1: So yeah, uh, and then and then a month a month later, after I got that job, the the owner of the club, uh, who also represents represented a couple of artists, so I just I just signed these guys. They're going to be the hottest thing ever to come out of Virginia, uh, and they're going to be playing here every week. So give them a good show. And you know, at the time I was thinking, I don't know, and Bruce Hornsby's pretty big. And then a month, you know, that was Dave Matthews once, once a week for a year and a half.
0: Uh, you were running Dave things... Matthews before, before, before they were touring.
1: Uh, just before they were touring. Well, they were always touring in a sense. Right. Uh, they had a weekly gig in Charlottesville on Tuesdays at Tracks, <laughs>
0: okay. and then they
1: had like a house uh, band. There was a house band in Charlottesville on Tuesdays, a house band in Richmond on Wednesdays, and then they would pick a direction, uh, and do an arc, and hit, you know, uh, fraternity gigs, clubs, what anything they could book, and then come back, have a have a day off in Charlottesville, and start to cycle all over again. So, uh, it but it was. Right up and right after they released their their uh, first album, which was "Remember Two Things," that was not an RCA release. Uh, politics got in the way at the club. We parted ways. I moved up to Washington and ended up following a different path.
0: And then uh, Fenton had to just fall into that, I would imagine, after. Uh... <laughs> pretty much so they're probably they're, just looking at the other big ld in uh in virginia and they're like well how about fenton
1: well at the time i mean i i definitely i don't want to throw shade on fenton uh at the time though he <laughs> he he was he was running his, his he was doing he was the manager he was running the merch he handled all the money for the band at the time okay uh there was one one show i had to i had lost my job at the nightclub uh and that that was not the the owner's decision it was the manager and that's that's a different story but um i moved up to dc i got uh, signed up with the union and i just started with the union and i had a load in for janet jackson at 6 a.m and dave matthews was playing the night before and i the guys I can't I can't stay I have to I have to get over to my friend's house because that's my only way to to get to the Janet Jackson gig at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning well can you can you you know set up some scenes for the console and show Fenton how to operate I go absolutely and I did that and you know I uh, ran a couple couple uh songs and then I had to leave before the 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 transportation system shut down for the evening, so okay, and, and that's how that happened.
0: And the rest is history, as far as that and, one. They've never, Ever looked any other direction other than Fenton after that?
1: Uh there, I believe they had one person. I think it was in two thousand okay. who was running the lighting. Fenton was was operating video on that tour. Got I it. I think it think it might have been. Aaron, I don't know his last name, but he works uh, the 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 company that supplies the gear for Dave Matthews has has an L2 that is just awesome. So, and he's he's really been helping Fenton out a lot. That's it, it, they put on a good show.
0: Uh, if I remember, his name is Aaron Steinbrink. I think he's I think he was still out with Fenton the last time I saw Dave Matthews perform. Yes, right on. Yeah right on. what a magical moment you you got to be there for that that's very cool yeah so uh, after that it sounds like you were you were union bound did, how did that work out
1: uh it, it was I, I was i was working with the union i for, i made a number of poor career choices uh and <laughs> I, I just i just never stayed in a city long enough to rise up the seniority of any oh. local to, to, to get anywhere significant. Uh, but I found myself in Atlanta during the summer Olympics of 96, working with R.A. Roth. Um, after that, I moved up to Minneapolis. Uh, I was living in Minneapolis, but working with 20 over in St. Paul, I did that for a while, bouncing back and forth from DC. It's, I was just pulling, uh, pulling soccer packs and, and and running running data without having a clue how that how the the gear was actually operated and that was bugging me so eventually i had to go back to college
0: you were at the olympics in georgia
1: yes uh well i was at a lighting shop outside of atlanta in got it for for the summer games in 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 96 okay so you weren't uh, near any, this,
0: of the, uh, any of the any of the tragedies, uh, the, the big scares.
1: No, not, not no, okay. not directly. But the company I was working for was the one that provided the lighting gear to Centennial Olympic Park. Right. So I did have to patch up a couple of park hands and molephes that had some shrapnel damage to them. But most most of my time there was just wiring up rigs uh for I believe what did I do? I did we put I know we put together the uh uh White Zombie Pantera Tour that nice. came out that started in ninety six. Uh so I I wired up that one in, in, in the shop, but actually never saw the show.
0: Unsung heroes of the industry. The ones that build everything and then never get to never get to see the actual uh, fruits of their labor.
1: Uh, I've seen some videos. I was like, oh yeah, I I remember that pod.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So finally at some point along the way, you're like, I need to learn how all this stuff goes together and it wasn't the union. You wanted to go to school for that or or, or am I jumping some steps?
1: Well, my problem was was that when I was starting out, movers were proprietary. I, it, was, it was Verilite. It was only Verilite, and you had to work for Verilite. You couldn't – no one could touch them. Only Verilite employees could even – you couldn't even look at them. I mean uh, – and they had their different control system. Eventually, DMX became a thing and was more widespread, but I just never understood it. I understood the mechanisms of movers. I understood how dichroics work. I I understood how subtractive uh, color arrays work. I understand all of the the mechanisms, the servos, modes, everything. I just did not understand language. I did not understand programming, and I could not get the time in front of a console to learn. And that was my biggest problem. And uh, eventually I, I figured the only solution to that was to go back to college and learn it. Uh, and I did that at the age of
0: 45. know, <laughs> so, for it's never too late.
1: Yeah, uh, I returned to Virginia Commonwealth University, uh, School of Fine Arts, theater department. And within a semester, it's like, oh, that's how DMX works. So, and it just seems so, hist- you know, it seems so easy now, but it was, it was sorcery just 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you, you were talking about the Verilite, there was times where DMX was just one option as opposed to uh, the standard, you know, right. Verilite had their protocol, high-end had their protocol, and finally everybody had to come together like, okay, you guys, some people want to use my console and your lights. And they finally decided, okay, let's, let's figure out a protocol then.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I saw there was one time I saw, uh, it was Howard Ungerleiter, legendary Howard Ungerleiter. Uh, he was out with Rush on the counterpart store where he was running. I think it was an AVO console. Uh, with his left hand, and was running the uh, very light console. Of course, this was Roboten, But uh, uh, what was this guy's? Matt Matt Drisbick, I believe his name was. He was just kicking back. He just let him let him do it. So it, it was it was like a he was like a a, a hair band you know synth guy just running two keyboards at the same time, and it was just magic to watch. <laughs>
0: Man, you and are now, going back. Matt drew sitting next to Howard Ungerleiter. I mean, that's how yeah, many people yeah. get to see that?
1: Yeah, and, and and no, but Howard, that's that's how great Howard was. It's like he invited me up onto the riser to to watch the to watch the show. And and that just blew my mind and then Matt because he's seen the show a couple hundred times, he and and Howard's running his console, Matt just throws me his his headset and i'm listening to howard while he's calling a follow spots and running two consoles it's a legend
0: <laughs> not, did, did they know you or were you just the front no, of house
1: i i i was i've always been the one at the local crew who seems to know the most about lighting uh and always finds myself just pestering the hell out of the l1s like i'm their best fan that's how i met you
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, so, that's that's a great story. They just like, hey, come here, listen in. Uh, well, I take. mean,
1: I I I explained, you know, I had got to have a mention, you know, a few moments with Howard. It's like, it's like, dude, you know, a show of hands. That's, oh, I I have burnt through already two VHS copies of a show of hands. Watching this, this is my textbook. You are my legend. And it's like, I appreciate it. Hey, come on up. I'm like, wow.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is that's a great story. <laughs> uh I would imagine that's the thing that legends are made of. Uh when like the lead singer is like, yeah, you, you come on up here, play guitar. Um some I'm thinking of like Dave Grohl when he calls Dave Grohl.
1: Come Nandy, up here and play. Nandy Bush, no, that that conversation that they're having is just one of the great that one of the blessings of twenty twenty is the is the thing going on between Dave Grohl and Andy Bush and all over and over in England. It's, it's mind candy.
0: Oh, fill me in on that one. What's happening there? I am not too sure, but it's a
1: YouTube thing. Okay. Uh, where it's this girl. I think she's what? 12. I really don't know. Um, okay. And, but she she's a drummer and she's just pounding out Foo fighter Uh, hits like it's no thing and it made its way to to dave Grohl. Uh, i made it got viral enough dave Grohl was amazed by it and started up a conversation at one point dave Grohl wrote a song for her uh i will i i can send you a link uh that
0: sounds awesome i will i will definitely check that out when we're done here
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, he wrote a song, put that on YouTube, and it's just wonderful. And now, as I understand that, when everything gets back to normal, hopefully soon, uh, when uh, when the Foo Fires go out on tour, they are going to bring Nandy on stage. I don't know if it's just when That's they're in cool. London, when they're in London, or for all the UK, or maybe all of the uh, European stops. I don't know. All right. Yeah.
0: Cool. If uh, if Dave Grohl ran for president in twenty twenty four, he would have my vote. I I really don't care what his policies would be, but I'm pretty sure they would be awesome.
1: Oh yeah, no, he's he is awesome incarnate. He is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to you. You, how long did it take you to get through, through uh, the Commonwealth College? Uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. University. Um,
1: I had I had like I mentioned I would started in the nineties, nineteen ninety. I did my freshman year, did some core stuff. Um, I was not able to get into the art school and I was not therefore not able to take any theater department classes. And I was uh, uh, dejected and dropped out. But I came back, so I had three more years uh, to go Um, but part of my degree was uh, an introduction to scenic design Uh, the scenic design head of the department was impressed enough to essentially draft me and says like no you're a scenic design major now I said no I'm a lighting design major and and my advisor was the like the girl from the taco commercial not up. So and it added, it added another semester, <laughs> but, but so I graduated with, but also with a degree in scenic design.
0: Congratulations.
1: So, yeah, and I couldn't find anything that couldn't, couldn't use it anywhere in Virginia. So
0: <laughs> so with your degree, you became a, you went right back to stagehanding.
1: Right, yeah, right back to the stage handing. I was trying to trying to find leads, but I, you know, I had to I had to make a living. I had to put gas in my tank. I had to put food in my mouth. So You're yeah, a very qualified stage hand. An extremely qualified stage hand.
0: So, all right. So there was just a handful. I can't imagine there's a a ton of work for programmers and operators in in that area. Were you able to find some stuff?
1: I no um i did do one uh i did design a musical um before i left the area for a small community theater actually opened today three years ago today if if what facebook tells me is true um
0: (laughs) it it always is
1: but no I, i i spent most of my time just working the entire region uh dc um Richmond Virginia Beach area Roanoke uh I I must have put 5000 miles on my car in 2 months in the summer of 2017 just trying to trying to put things together and just not okay. getting anywhere
0: I would imagine that was a lot of scraping by and just looking and hunting for whatever was uh, available
1: Yeah I, I I was looking on what was it I was looking at offstagejobs.com um it's uh-huh. looking it's looking trying to try and chase leads with you know like PRG VER, you know trying to trying to find some something anything and this wasn't getting anywhere
0: so okay when I think of that area I think of lots of mega churches is that even an industry over there
1: it is. That was, that was the thing. It was, an, it was an epiphany I had was that, I mean, I'm, I, I would apply for a position, and they would see my resume, and they would get excited, and I would go up to, to um, you know, to meet in an interview, and then suddenly it's like, oh, no, we'll see, um, and that happened a lot. Um, uh, one, one time, um, I, 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 went to, I went to USITT uh, looking for work, and uh, the PSAV recruiters were excited, and they put me in touch with someone at the Prefontaine down in Florida, and um, as a, I believe it was a, for a TD position, and everything was excited, and they put me in touch with the person down there had a phone interview with person down there and then suddenly the job disappeared. So that became a problem and I'm wondering what's going on. And one time one, I was working with the union primarily uh, locals 22, 87, 285 and 55. I was a member of local 87 Richmond, Virginia. But there was one company I worked with uh, based out of Maryland who sent me to uh, change lamps in a church. And while I was there, I mean, everyone at the church, it was it was a church inside a gated community somewhere in rural Virginia. And everyone at the church was nice and polite, but you had that vibe and it was not a comfortable vibe. And it was then, it's like, of course, every lighting company in the entire region has these churches as
0: clients. Mm. So on, that's paper, said, on paper, they see Kate. And yes. Then when, and when Kate shows up, they're like, where's Kate? And you're like, I'm, exact,
1: yes, I'm 100% exact. Kate. Exactly. And then, and then things would get uneasy. So
0: and nobody would ever say anything to you no one would
1: ever say anything directly to me and by this point uh trump had rolled back the uh uh the discrimination protection so they could have told me flat out as what the story was but that was never the case so i just i just you know so no, that uh. leave. So, I started looking further, you know, tried, tried up, uh, reaching up to, you know, friends and leads up in the New York area, uh, but just didn't have much opportunity to get up there to, to suss them out. Okay. And I just figured, let's just try California. It's the entertainment capital of the world. There's got to be something. And it's so, if not the warehouses in Vegas, there's got to be something everywhere. So,
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I want to get into that in just a second, but I want to talk about how just a little tweet from Trump and whatever actual policy that backs up that tweet, it affects, it does not affect 99% of the population, but for the one person or the 1% that it does affect,
1: it's it affects everything.
0: your livelihood. Exactly. I mean, that's everything like you buffoon you don't know what you're doing because you have no idea how to look past your nose that oh stupid tweet or that uh well it it
1: was not just trump Well, one thing we have to understand is it's not just trump trump is not he's 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 not the disease he's a symptom
0: right um
1: he, he did not come out of vacuum there were ads there uh the this this bathroom campaign that was been going on for a while before trump entered the scene was just making things horrible
0: so that is the the worst policy i've ever heard of and i i'm i'm glad that that doesn't exist in california
1: yeah that Uh, was that was terrible yeah that's that's one of the things that led me to california was just like i had a friend out here uh who was you know offered me a a uh, no commitment place to stay for a few months to, you know to try to put things together and i said yeah and just like i said i just saved a couple couple thousand bucks and yoink i yeeted myself out to la uh
0: as far as your your job goes i mean you you'd have to check i'm like hey do you have a bathroom available for me on job site and I would imagine you'd have to make some very tough decisions daily based on, on that.
1: Not so much. Okay. Um, I mean, it's it's not on the site. I mean, that's that's the thing. Um, okay. It on the job site, things are generally cordial, except for yeah. when you're changing lamps in evangelical churches. But <laughs> when you but when you are, uh, but when you, when you're when you're you know pulling theater uh you know and at a shed for you know Def Leppard everyone is cool no one really cares I mean there was there was one time one time and it was a country tour where the L2 uh made some snide remark and basically the rest of the lighting crew just dropped what they did and took a coffee (laughs) And then someone oh. came and was like you have you have to apologize. <laughs> it's like, and he did, and there and everything. Just, the rest of the load just went smoothly.
0: So, oh, that's a great story. Thank you for telling me. That's. Uh, it sounds like there was a fair amount of solidarity there.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I mean, we're we're we we we're, we're doing a job. We're not here, you know. We're not. We're not. It's the gig. We're we're, we're here to do a job. Yeah. Like, nothing more.
0: We don't stand up to, or we don't we don't stand for shit like that anymore. We don't no. uh, we don't accept teasing of our of our people for any reason, you know.
1: No, yeah, that's but, what I said. If is if, if if I were content just to be local crew for the rest of my life, I could have stayed in Virginia, but that just really wasn't gonna be you know my bag. I, I it, every gig made, uh, I would be sore and and hurt at more and more after every gig. And so I just need something else. I need to get, I need to retire my wrench and get behind a console or a computer or something.
0: Cool. So. so that's where the, the next Kate cliche comes from. You just put all your belongings in your Subaru threw the cats in the back seat and drove to LA.
1: Drove to LA. There's No, no, no. place to stay. I had no I had a place to stay a, okay a, a friend a friend of mine um an audio engineer who I had met while I was working um down in Atlanta while I was working with uh r a roth um she was working with r sound who they had a partnership and that's how we met and she um she runs a building for musicians and she had offered me a, a room in this building but uh, no i had to pay rent of course but uh no commitment to a lease so yeah, if things didn't work out it would no harm no foul i could go back to virginia so she was able to, to help me out and said that up. i was like well are you a musician it's like uh, i i own a bass guitar good enough <laughs> so <laughs> And she and she helped me out. She'll help me out uh, move out here. And and now that I I've sort of made it, I help help her back out. Um, right now, all of my all of my lighting gear is installed in her in her music studios. And for streaming purposes, to put a little little flash and trash for their uh, for their streams. Right on. I do this and I do this from across the city using I have uh, ETC Nomad installed on a computer uh, in the studio. And I, you know, uh, remote viewer, you know, teleport into the into that laptop and just busk off of that from my couch in North Hollywood.
0: (laughs) Wow. That is that is some modern technology right there.
1: Yeah. And it's and it's great because I mean, I'm using an iPad for uh, an iPad using Facebook Messenger. (laughs) Uh, That is that's my monitor Uh, that that gives me a the least lag free feed going on. Uh, I have my phone using that. That's comms. You know, if I need to call or text, I use that. And then finally, I have my TV streaming, the final YouTube feed, which is like a minute delayed, but it kind of helps me gauge like my response time. So, but it works. It's not great. It's, it's, it's ugly, but it works.
0: (laughs) You're live, you're running shows live in, in your living room across town yes that is unbelievable with an etc using,
1: yes using etc nomad now that, i i build my awesome. uh, well i mean custom built magic sheets i it, that's that's the way you, way to do it you can bus and you can busk an etc don't let anyone tell you otherwise you just have to know how to program it that's all okay
0: yep yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, I've, I've busted on a strand before, but never an ETC. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I, I the news. That's no
0: lie. So let's talk about that. So you are in LA mm-hmm. you're, I would imagine you're trying, you have at least a place to stay and a place to park your car. Now mm-hmm. you're looking for a gig. Did you go now, straight uh, to the union or?
1: Uh, that was one of my first options. Um, I, I had friends, from on Facebook, and they kind of explained to me it's like, well, you're going to have to wait in for a sign up uh, day. And they have these twice a year. And it's everyone lines up outside the, uh, the Union Hall, the line goes down the block, they put down their information and wait for an occasion where all of Local 33's call lists are depleted, then they get pulled on. So I was looking at that and I was like, no, that's not going to work. So I'm reaching out, uh, trying to reaching out to PRG, VER, 4Wall, trying trying to set things up with them, uh, slow going. Um, And then a friend of mine on Facebook reaches out to me. It's like, can you run uh, ETC EOS? I go, yes, that's what I ran in college. Uh, And they go, well, okay, great. And they put me in touch, and it's like, here you need to call this person over here. And I call them, and it's a scene shop in the valley, uh, Sherman Oaks, I believe. Yes, out in Sherman Oaks. Uh, they actually, it's Good Night and Company, wonderful scene. They they build the Emmys, uh, not the Emmys, the Oscars, uh, among other things. But great scene shop. Uh, but for some reason, they had the contract to provide uh lighting engineers to msnbc and nbc news i don't i don't know why it was a weird holdover from when nbc moved from the burbank studios over to universal studios it was really confusing why they never called the union to (laughs) fill this job i don't know but they called me up and say I called up. I called up the Goodnight Company and say, "Okay, you need to go over to Universal Studios. Uh, you're going to be working on uh, the Lawrence O'Donnell show." And my mind just exploded, because I anyone who has seen me on Facebook knows that I am a news hound. I am a news junkie. I eat, live, and breathe politics. So, and this is just um, an amazing thing, and. It, it it came down to me calling the union and say, look, I'm all, I've already earned money under a union contract. Who do I pay my dues to? And they Oh, <laughs> and then I, that's how I got signed up with, with the local. <laughs> the back, <laughs> I, I did the back way in. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> you basically called up the union. You're like, Hey, so I work for you. And they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. no resume no awkward interview just hey so i'm kate and uh i work for you oh Uh, yeah yeah money then uh,
1: and well they and the thing of it was was that i was told that the job was being a board operator and that's not and that's that wasn't the case a board operator uh for the most part is taking cues off of somebody else right uh i'm in there and it's like, I have to, I have to set levels on the fly. I mean, I'm, I'm making judgment decisions and that I'm not the designer. I didn't hang the studio, but that's a line director. So yeah. it's, I've been calling myself since. And, and, and it's literally, it is just, it is busking in the news. Um, a great example of this is take uh, Ari Melber, the beat with Ari Melber. Mm-hmm. He likes, Uh, This is before the pandemic, mind you. He would have lots of in-studio guests, two or three at a time. Um, And they would do their segment, and we go to commercial break. We have two minutes, two and a half minutes, uh, and then chaos erupts. Uh, the three studio guests, they get up, they're getting their, their microphones taken off. They're having small, uh, small talk with Ari occasional Ari Milber has an Instagram things where he does say it to my face and they do that. They're posing, they're blocking camera angles. The next group of guests, they're coming in, they're getting seated. They're getting mic'd up and camera and all the cameras are blocked from people that I can't see things. Everyone gets set. We have one minute left back before we're on the air. This is live television we have one minute before we're back on the air and it's like okay i have this guy with different skin tones just bounce everyone out just put it all together and i have literally less than a minute to do this and get everyone looking not looking good on all three cameras related to each other and it is it is chaos and it is minute things we're, we're using uh uh, it is entirely LED and it is such such discreet It's one tenth of a percent differences I have to make. And it's it's all done on the fly. It's I have a magic sheet. It's all just buttons that are connected to macros. You know, click one button, you know, this at at minus point one percent sneak enter. And it's just click, click, click. And it nice. works. So right on <laughs> That's how you, that's how you busk ETC.
0: I think a lot of people like to think that those things are all decisions that are made well in advance, but it's not. I would imagine you're putting out fires constantly, uh, even for the the smallest shot.
1: We don't get, we don't get stand-ins in the news. We don't get, we don't get the, you know, pre pre any kind of preparation. Uh, I have a, a base look where, you know things are keyed to the to the host, but it never works for everyone. There's right. always changes that have to be made at the slightest instance.
0: And there's no asking for five minutes when it comes to breaking news, is it? There's no I got to get up there and change a lamp. It's like no, we want to be the first to get this out. We need this out on the air now. So yes, we're going
1: generally now. Uh, there have been a couple of occasions where there is you know breaking news. Um, and usually it's we just make sure everything's in the studio is working before we leave. uh okay. You know, for the next day, but it's it's usually just be able to come in and uh now they usually we have a like I said with I have a base set for everything with with intensity palettes that are key right. to the host. That all get that gets recorded um into a a panel a preset panel that's on the wall um and if need be like if something happens and they need you know i i live in north hollywood uh two miles away from the studio so i could be there in 15 minutes but Mm -hmm. uh one time you know it's just it's it's just too fast and they had to hit the air uh without me and they were able to punch a button on the wall i get in there and as soon as the commercial uh commercial break happens it's like just completely flip the system over turn it, you know fire up the console all that stuff and then be back by the, by the next break by the end of the break
0: <laughs> i have to take a, a second to kind of hammer home the cliche here of girl who wants to make it big in LA and without a plan goes to LA and gets her dream job that Transgen-
1: is transgender girl
0: yeah I mean moves moves to LA and makes it big and gets her her dream job as a fulfilling her news addiction mm-hmm. with what I would imagine are your I, mean, I would imagine all the people that you work for now are people that you were watching before uh people like Rachel Maddow Ari Melber and the like
1: yep 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 uh i haven't i it's at this point it's easier to list who i've not worked with i have not worked with uh joe scarborough or any of the any of that team Uh, never never got a chance to work with uh chris matthews before before he left the air but uh for the most part nbc news is And MSNBC is entirely a New York operation run out of 30 Rock. So, but uh, a couple of anchors, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, Ari Melber, and Lester Holt own property in Los Angeles. And often they will come out here for a long weekend. And then that's when I would get called in because my Uh job is at light is not a full-time position i'm just called in to when they're anchoring a show got it so uh now we get called in and they would make a long weekend out of it so but it's mostly those shows but uh rachel does not like to do shows outside of uh her home studio so it's it, it only only major stories will she come on the air outside of that studio uh let's see is that
0: a covid thing or was that pre-covid as well this
1: is this is pre-covid uh I mean, home and, studio well not a no not a home studio not like in her home studio okay. i mean got just it. her space her her studio in 30 rock
0: got it got it got it okay uh
1: just where she is comfortable you know got uh, it no, she does. Uh, if she had a, uh, I wish she had a um, home studio, she could do while she's in quarantine. I miss her comeback, Rachel. Um, <laughs> but uh, Chris Hayes, a couple times, um, right on. Uh, 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 Chuck Todd, a couple times, very quick, cool. Joy Reid. Yeah,
0: and so now Maybe. when you're doing those those episodes, I mean, I imagine you're getting. To see the news, even seconds or minutes before the rest of the world.
1: Ironically, uh, when I am at the bureau, I am not as caught up. I'm less on the news uh, than when I'm at home. i when I'm at home, not doing anything. I'm I'm fl- I've I've got the the news on my screen i'm flipping through facebook i'm flipping through twitter i'm looking for news all that kind of stuff when i'm at work i mean i'm focused on the job uh all i'm seeing is uh camera feeds i'm not seeing any news feeds if i want to be you know watching the news in the studio i have to be streaming it on my laptop um Uh but no there there are uh, I can't remember exactly what it is, but we would be in the middle of the show, and something major would would happen, and I would be hearing about it. You know what? Maybe thirty seconds before you get the okay. graphics, the breaking news graphics. So it's not not. I I wish it was like that, but it's it's ironic. I'm I'm less informed when I'm in the middle of the news bureau. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. What's the next cliche for Kate? Is it, Are you starting to embrace the, the digital age and start to do uh, some previs? Are you starting to get into VR, XR? What's what's the next cliche?
1: Well, part of the thing that helped me out in college was part of my lighting design degree, we had to learn factor works. And once... Uh, my I, my semester course at Vectorworks was nightmarish. I had the hardest time, but once I figured it out, I just had fun like a kid in the sandbox and was exploring 3D modeling. And that's kind of the thing I've been exploring on. And it was the 3D modeling that I did that impressed the scenic design professor uh, to convince me to take on a, a second major. So, And I'm just trying to explore on that. Um, And I don't I don't know. Um my next step is is I need to learn learn software. I need to learn Unreal Engine. COVID changed everything. I don't know how long we're gonna be back to normal, but I have a sense that even once we are back to back to normal, we can have concerts again, we're just one more pandemic away from being shut down again. So I'm thinking I've, I've always had a sense that uh, augmented reality or virtual reality might be the way to go. Um, I mean, back in the 70s and 80s, we had things like American Bandstand and Top of the Pops and, you know, in England, where bands would go to a studio and perform their hits. I'm thinking maybe something along those lines, but have... Be able to capture it in VR in multiple positions, um, and, and then that way you can augment it. You can have, uh, I, I don't want to, sp- I hate using the word holography, but you can have you know just 3D effects happening with the performance. And, uh, and these would you know be pay per view, I guess, I don't know, but that that may be a thing to be honest right now I, mean, I had I have a website um, that I set up after college Cape Blair designs. Uh, I ended up letting that domain go in last fall mm-hmm. this is this I don't know what gave me this foresight but I gave up that domain and bought virtuallighting.com and I just need I'm expanding on that. Trying to, trying to work on that, learning on real, trying to trying to see if maybe, who knows, it could be something as making really stylized Zoom backgrounds. I don't mm-hmm. know. Try to figure out something.
0: Yeah, this pandemic has, has let us know that we need to diversify diversified and we can't put all our eggs in one basket. And we definitely have to be prepared to embrace the digital age.
1: Uh, I, ex- exactly. This is going to
0: happen again, uh, no matter what people think about uh, pandemics or zoonotic diseases. We, we, if we're not going to get people to stop doing what we know causes these, it's going to happen. Yeah,
1: again. Oh, yeah. It's just it's, it's, yeah, there's there's going always going to be there's going to be another COVID. Um, yeah. And one one thing that struck me is it's like once COVID happened, it put all of our all of our performing arts online and into Zoom rooms. And I mean, it, it was great to watch, but it's there's no lighting. The audio is horrible. You know, eventually some people were able to get better microphones and, and record stuff, but it's still it's not great quality. Um, I I had an idea early at the pandemic that was similar to the NBA bubbles. It's like why don't we just put a dome a uh, uh, a figurative dome over Latitz, Pennsylvania and just have everyone there just quarantine them and have that be an audience. And then the bands can come in. They could, you know, go through a quarantine period. They could put on a set of performances at Latitz because everything is there and and then just move on and just repeat and just have a series of shows that way. Uh, I wish that could have happened uh, and proceeds could have benefited all the crews are out of work because of this.
0: Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's definitely something we will have to consider because uh, I, I hope that next time a pandemic hits, we won't try and do that the same way we did it this time because this was not, this was not a very good dry run. It, it,
1: exactly. And a, a lot, especially among the local crews, um, they are, of course, there's a political divide, but everyone just they want to get back to work, you know, so it's like open up the venues, open up the venues, you know, yelling at the politicians or, you know, it's like, let us have concerts again. It's like, but they don't realize you can open up the venues, but until someone like Foo Fighters know that they, they can tour the entire United States without infecting anyone, we're not going to have tours again. There's just not going to be work until they, they had that assurance. Right. So we, we need, we need to do something to help the either, either, you know, un, it definitely extend the unemployment insurance. But if this industry has survived, we have to keep these, these these skilled people around. Otherwise we're just, it, it's just going to die. And we can't, we can't have that.
0: No, we, we got to do our very best to make sure that as few people die as absolutely necessary to keep this alive.
1: Thank you yeah, so I much mean,
0: Kate. I really appreciate your time. I am so thankful for you sharing your story. There are so many intricacies of what it's taken for you to get to where you're at right now and it's 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 enlightening to hear that uh, it just feels really good to know that spite of everything that's been thrown at you, you've found a great place and you're in a you're in a healthy position and you're doing you and know, you're doing well. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I appreciate that. Enlightening. That was a pun.
0: <laughs> no,
1: it's been great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, and uh, take care.